Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Hockman. Today's episode is with a phenomenal pediatric sports medicine doctor, Dr. Tracy Zaslow. And I was lucky enough to spend time learning from Dr. Zaslow during my residency training. I broke up our conversation into two parts. In this first part, we are going to talk all about sports injury prevention. We talk about activities such as football, skateboarding, and weightlifting, and she gives great tips on how to allow children to participate in these sports, follow their passion, but also stay safe. If you know anyone who might enjoy this episode, I would be so appreciative if you would share it with a friend. Tracy, tell us tell us about yourself. Uh, what do you do and, and who are you? Uh, well, thanks so much for having me here. Um, so I practice what's called primary care sports medicine. And what that is, is that um, I, I actually trained in general pediatrics first. So I learned how to take care of kids and then went on to do a primary care sports medicine fellowship where I learned more about taking care of things like concussions, broken bones, sprains, strains, any sports related issue or concern. And so now I uh, practice sports medicine and get to see patients with all those uh, problems and kind of have a specialty with that younger population, probably 30 and under uh, with a majority of my patients being about five to 20 years of age. So it's fantastic. I think everyone listening can agree that sports are so important for kids, so helpful for kids for their, you know, physicality for their, for their mental state. So it's really great work that you do. Um, and you're a mother yourself, right? Can you tell us yes. about your kids? Are they yes, in sports? I have, <laughs> yes, I have two young girls, um, uh, almost seven and nine. And um, yes, they, they're very active, uh, naturally to a certain extent. Uh, they love to be outside and moving around, but uh, they've been testing out lots of different sports. So they're at the age where um, I think it's great to try a lot of sports. So, um, so we're you know definitely trying to garner the interest in you know, finding a few sports that are of their favorites. Um, and um, part of that is I want them to love sports for the health benefits, for the uh, social benefits, and um, even for just kind of staying out of trouble as they get a little bit older and into the high school years. I love for them to have that connection with the um, with the health component and wanting the best for their body and making those good choices on their own as they get a little bit older. And I'm just curious, how, how do you think parents should foster an interest in sports for children? Is it just ex- uh, exposing them to a variety of sports or how, how would you advise that? Um, I think it comes from a lot of um, ways, actually. I mean, one of the number one things that, um, that research has shown is actually being a role model. So as a parent, um, you don't necessarily have to play every sport, but um, but engaging in your own physical activity really inspires kids to want to um, be involved in physical activity. Um, so I think that's one is the role model. Two is, um, yes, lots of sampling, trying out different sports. Let them see, you know, whether maybe they gravitate more towards something like soccer or basketball, team sport more aggressive, or maybe they like something more individual like track or swimming. Um, We're finding that with our own kids um, that it's really interesting. Like one of our daughters is kind of leaning more towards that team team sport and seems to love like kind of getting in the action of, uh, you know, soccer, more kind of contact based, whereas uh, the other one. I think just loves being in the zone of swimming and track. It's kind of been what she's um, more attracted to. But, um, you know, just lots of different sports. You know, it helps not only to find sports that they're really interested in, but um, develop different muscle strength, different abilities. Um, all the different studies have shown that, that um, kind of specializing in a single sport, picking one sport early before puberty 
doesn't actually help your performance in that sport. Um, that by doing many other sports, you get um, stronger and get movement patterns and things like that, that will help you in all your sports careers. That's so interesting because I always think about athletes like, you know, Tiger Woods, where he started at two years old playing golf. And I always think to excel in a sport, you really have to find the sport at a young age. But that's great news that you're saying that's not the case. Yeah, no, not at all. They they did some studies back kind of uh, when there were a lot of kind of training and, you know, behind the Iron Curtain, um, you know, 40 years ago or so in Germany where they would train these uh, swimming athletes. And they found when they when they had the athletes do multiple sports, not just swimming, they did better at swimming. Um, and, and we see that all around, you know, working with some of the professional teams that, that I work with, we had a soccer player who is a now professional soccer player, but he actually played a lot of volleyball as a kid. That was almost his bigger sport. And, um, you could tell on the field because he would go up for headers and he just had height that was above and beyond everyone else because he had been training for volleyball where you need that jumping skill. And um, so it really does carry over from one sport to another where you can um, bring what, what you've learned, the skills that you've acquired. That's amazing. So, so the benefit of cross-training is really, is really real. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it keeps it interesting, too. So for kids, I think that's the other thing is really keeping it interesting and not making it necessarily too hardcore. Um, you know, you don't have to go and do a skills drill for soccer. You can just go out and, like, pretend you're kicking the ball, you know, you get the hens in their in their pen or or different things like that at the younger ages, um, really trying to just make it fun and make it interesting. And uh, so whether that's with different sports or just different activities, I think those are all great ways to do it. Now, curious, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, as a general pediatrician myself, I've seen so many kids, for example, um, hurt themselves on trampolines. Um, <laughs> and, and I can't help but want my own children to avoid having a trampoline in our house because I've just seen so many injuries. Is there yeah. anything like that from your perspective where you've just seen so many um, reoccurring injuries from particular sports that you that you don't want your kids to participate? Yeah, I mean, trampoline is one of them, too, for me. Um, so my kids have begged me for trampoline for years. And, uh, uh, you know, we've refrained just because it, the American Academy of Pediatrics doesn't support it. So I'm like, oh, I can't have it in my own house. Um, but sometimes I wonder if we're better to have it in our house because they go to their friend's house or their neighbor's house, and then they, they do it by the other people's rules rather than, well, if it was in our house, we'd be able to say, okay, only one kid uh, per time. The netting is definitely intact. The springs are covered, things like that. Um, otherwise, you know, other sports, I mean, making sure helmets are used for, you know, any wheeled sports. So like, you know, I don't say don't do scooters or bikes or things like that. Um, but we definitely see a lot of scooter act injuries. I think you hit a little crack and you go flying. And so you get a lot of fall on that kind of outstretched hand and lots of wrist injuries and such. So, um, so just, you know, kind of being careful with that, um, and being as safe as you can. Um, you know, and then everyone asks me the question about football, right. would you like to play football? Oh, I think it's really a risk benefit, you know, in the sense that, um, I think some kids are really drawn to it and if it's their passion, then I think you weigh the risk and the benefit. Um, you know, yes, there's more injuries in sports like football, hockey, uh, lacrosse, not to pick on any sports in particular, but some of the injury rates are a little higher there. Um, but we also see a lot of injuries in things like cheerleading or the overuse injuries of gymnastics and dance. And um, so I think, you know, you, you, you pick your risk uh, and you go with where the passion is. And then once you, if you're within that sport, then you just have to play it 
as safely as you can. So as safely as you can means that you follow the rules, you're um, playing with good technique, you're not overdoing it. Um, those are all kind of guidelines to, um, to make it safe. I think that's really good advice because I feel as a parent, I don't want to stand in the way of my child's passion. But let's say, for example, skateboarding, I see so many skateboarding injuries. So to your your point, I might allow my child to skateboard, but make sure they're wearing a helmet, put on the wrist guards. Yes. Make sure they're taking proper precautions. I absolutely recommend the wrist guards because we have studies that show that they decrease the injury rate by about 50%. So, um, so wrist guard, so helmet and wrist guards are my two absolutes for skateboarding. And, uh, and then, you know, if they're up for knee and elbow guards, that probably doesn't hurt either, but we don't have the research on that. Um, and then doing it, you know, as safe as possible in the sense of maybe trying to be at a skate park when it's not as crowded as, um, as other times so that they're not having, you know, run-ins with other, um, athletes, um, and making sure they're not doing into the street. So that's another part where we see some, we've had some bad head injuries when, um, when they, you know, have then um, kind of been hit by a car because they went on a ramp that landed them in the street. Um, so uh, just making good choices like that. I think that's really good advice. I'm, I'm just thinking now, even with regards to a trampoline, maybe I should revisit it if my kids really want one and just make <laughs> sure they have safety rules in place, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about, you know, how how safe you approach it. Um, And one other point kind of related to that sports component um, is just the idea of overuse injury. Um, And I think sometimes um, families are um, confused by, you know, what's too much for um, for physical activity in the sense we want every kid to be active every day. 60 minutes a day is is, you know, really important uh, every day. And it doesn't have to be all at once, but lots of little pieces. Um, but there's also too much of a good thing. And um, there are some guidelines regarding um, overuse and too much activity. And it's um, based on age. And so the recommendation is not to do more of an hour a week of a specific sport training um, per year of age. So for example, for my nine-year-old, um, if she was doing gymnastics per se, she shouldn't be doing more than nine hours of um, gymnastics training a week. It doesn't mean that she can't be doing other activities, um, but it really shouldn't be that same repetitive um, activity, um, you know, again and again, more than that uh, hours per age. That is a great, a great guideline, because I think that question comes up a lot with parents where they want to involve their children in specific sports, but they don't want to overdo it. So, and along those same lines, in terms of injury prevention, is there any other advice that you can offer parents, you know, for example, something that comes to mind you know, sleep and diet? Are there any, um, any, any studies that show that, you know, that these, that these measures are important? I know they are, but anything. Yes. Yes. No, but actually sleep, we have, we have a great study that, um, that was, it was really interesting. It was was just a survey based study, but, um, but they were asking kids about seven or eight questions and they asked them, um, about how many hours a week they were participating in sports. And they asked them, um, you know, how many sports they were participating in, um, a few other questions, you know, how long they'd been training. Did they have a personal trainer? Um, and then how many hours did they sleep? And of these questions, the only one that came out significant was the um, number of hours of sleep. And they found that kids who slept uh, more than eight hours, um, so more than eight hours per night, had 50% less injury than those who slept less than eight hours. Wow. Um, 
So that's a really big difference. Um, and um, so in addition to the, that injury prevention component, um, sleep has also been shown to help with decision making as well as um, performance. They did a few studies where they um, had um, basketball uh, basketball players who were practicing free throw shots. And um, so they found that by just getting an extra hour or so of sleep a night, that they were able to improve their um, their free throw accuracy significantly, like more than just like shooting. Um, they had a you know placebo group and everything uh, to compare. So it was it was really interesting. I mean, I I, I joke, but I say you know our our secret uh, you know performance enhancement is uh, sleep. Uh, so it's not all these medications or supplements or everything else. Sleep is the one that gets you the furthest. That is so, it makes intuitive sense, but that's so interesting that there's actually been studies to prove that's the case. So sleep is number one. And then, you know, you mentioned um, nutrition. I think just maintaining healthy nutrition. There's no magic bullet for, you know, drinking this or eating that that's going to make the big difference. But really just looking at having a healthy eating pattern, um, you know, getting the nutrients you need, some athletes, especially as you get into the you know middle school, high school range that are training very competitively, uh, have trouble getting in enough calories to cover the amount of um, training that they're doing in addition to the growing that they're doing. Uh, and so that's one of the things to really look at is just to make sure that they're getting enough calories to support their, um, their health and fitness. And um, one of the ways we sometimes see this um, play out in female athletes is if they're not getting enough nutrition um, after they've started their menstrual cycle, that um, their menstrual cycle can stop. And, um, and if that's occurring, that's a sign that, that they don't have enough nutrition and that can give them long-term harm to bone health and things like that. So it's really important to pay attention to those um, signs. And it doesn't mean they have to stop their sport or stop their training necessarily. It's just to get that good nutrition so that they can continue to train in a healthy manner. Now, what about those protein shakes and supplements? Is there any validity that that may help? I mean, aside from the calorie addition to their diet, is there any any evidence that that may be helpful for athlete performance? Um, so this is where food is still number one. Food is your first choice for getting the calories you need, the nutrition you need, the vitamin and minerals you need. That's Your food choices are number one. So instead of a protein shake, my first choice would be just have an extra piece of chicken with your meal or, you know, have a peanut butter and apples as your snack. Um, you know, just trying to get the protein in through the day. Um, you know, they, the supplements can play if they're not getting enough. Um, so more that comes in with like maybe calcium and vitamin D. If they're someone who's avoiding dairy products, then maybe doing a supplement of calcium and vitamin D is really helpful. Um, but the, the protein shakes, um, they're, they can, there is a complicated picture because uh, it's, uh, they can be contaminated. Um, they've done these studies that showed all the different contaminations of different um, like chromium and all these different agents. Even arsenic has been found in low levels in some of these, um, in some of the different protein shakes and even, you know, regular name brand popular choices. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, your, your best choice is to, um, is to have food um, and then kind of supplement as needed. And to me, if you're 
if you're really considering something like a protein shake or what have you, then it may be a good time to meet with a dietitian. Um, there are sports dietitians that can really go through and, and tell you exactly, well, how many calories do you need and what type of calories should you be taking in and help with those choices um, and decisions. I, and I agree with that. I think always uh, it's a good, it, I, I generally feel like real food, you know, what I mean by that is food that's grown from the ground, food that you can picture where it's coming from, I think is the, in general, the best, best dietary choice. Yes. Yeah. Now, Great. okay. So we talked about sleep. We talked about diet in terms of in injury prevention. What about stretching? Does stretching actually matter to, you know, stretching before an activity or after an activity? Does that make a difference in terms of injury prevention? Yeah. So I would put it stretching in the picture of warm up. So not just isolated stretching, but a warm up routine. So yes, it's great to not roll out of bed and go, you know, right out there to sprint in a track meet. Um, and so that warm up should be, you know, dynamic in the sense of, you know, doing a light jog, get the blood flow, get everything moving, and then doing more of dynamic stretching. Um, so dynamic stretching, meaning that it's kind of movement. It's not a, it's not a stretch where you just try to touch your toes and hold it for as long as you can. Just gentle movements to kind of loosen up the muscles. Um, and, and spending, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, you know, at the beginning of a practice or before a game is really important to help um, to uh, prevent injuries and, um, and give you your best performance as well. What about cool down? Does, does a cool down uh, stretch or, or light exercise after a vigorous, vigorous sports uh, play, does that make a difference in terms of injury prevention? Um, yes, that it, that probably plays a role, maybe a little bit less so in the sense, but uh, or we have less data, maybe is what I should say with that. Um, but yes, I think, you know, again, not going from, from you know, 100 miles an hour to, um, to a dead stop um, is, you know, the main thing in the sense of um, having going from a sprint to a walk is great um, before you just sit down. Uh, you know, I think sometimes <laughs> I'll see um, like high school athletes, they like, sprint their mile as fast as they can and they, and they fall to the floor and lay down. Um, and so um, we'd rather have them go from that sprint to more of a casual walk, let that heart rate slow down more gradually. Um, and uh, so that would be the, um, you know, kind of the, the key advice. It's just a more gradual um, process as you discontinue your activity. Going back to the warm-up, sorry, I thought of afterwards that you mentioned. Um, so going back to the warm-up was uh, there's also doing, it's a good time to do um, a set of exercises like working on your um, different core stabilities or biomechanics. So sometimes like you're, you can do a directed set of exercises depending on your sport that might help you to really wake up those specific muscles um, for your biomechanics. So again, I'll go to runners for example. Um, runners really need to wake up the core muscles, the abs, the lower back and buttock muscles. And so doing some basic exercises that will, um, that will use those muscles can then help them prepare to be able to perform better as they're out there um, training and, uh, and competing. So as you say that, I'm thinking I'm, I'm someone that does, uh, does run, you know, two or three miles most days a week. And maybe because I never do those core warmups, maybe that can explain, maybe that explains why I've never been a good runner. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're doing great, uh, there. That's something um, I can blame it on. 
you're, you're a good role model for your kids. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think it's great, you know, just as even as, as parents, um, it's great for us to cross train as well as our kids. Um, so, you know, as a runner, it, it's good to make a day or two of the week to integrate yoga or, you know, Pilates or even just some strength training workouts. Um, you know, all those things can be great, whether, whether you're, whether you're eight, 18 or, you know, um, 48, any, you know, any age through there, um, can be great to kind of integrate those different activities. That sounds good. So maybe if I, if I break my mile time after integrating some cross training, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll get back to you. Uh, totally. I want to hear about it. So, <laughs> um, okay. So another question that comes up a lot, and I, I just want to more clarify this. Um, when I was younger, I was always told that children should not weightlift, that weightlifting was dangerous and potentially harmful. And then in recent years, I've noticed more patients, um, you know, more children be involved with weight training. Can you comment on weight training in children? Is it a bad idea? Is it helpful? Clarify this for families. Yes, I think it's a great question. It comes up in our office all the time as well. Um, and so first of all, I always like to change it from the term weight training to strength training, because when you think of it as weight training, you're thinking about, oh, I want to max out my weight. Whereas when you think about strength training, it's building your muscle to get stronger. And so, um, so kids can absolutely do strength training. Um, strength training refers to using your body weight for exercise. It can be using, um, using weights as well. Um, but there's a number of keys that are really important to remember. So can kids strength train? Absolutely. And it can be a really positive component. It's sometimes actually a great way for kids who are less active, like definitely um, those who might be a little bit more overweight and haven't been as fit. Um, it's sometimes a really good way for them to start because they can do some strength training, work on getting their muscles stronger, um, maybe even take off a few of the extra um, pounds or just kind of become a little bit more lean and then move on to something like running or um, more active sport that now they have better biomechanics because they have that strength. Strength training can be done safely if um, if the uh, exercises are done in a um, it kind of following the correct technique. So um, so by doing the exercises with correct technique um, with supervision. So it's really important um, that especially younger kids have supervision. Some of the biggest injuries that we see are like a weight falling on a toe because maybe they tried to pick up too heavy of a weight or they were being a little bit uh, more haphazard with their movements of the weight. Uh, so, um, so following good technique, um, good supervision, and then not thinking about how much weight you're going for, but really thinking about doing the movement in the correct pattern and slowly building up the, the amount of weight that's being done. I love hearing this because I, I do know a lot of kids where they're not interested in, you know, intense cardiovascular exercise, but they may be more inclined to exercise if it's, you know, a lot of kids prefer prefer strength training. So mm -hmm. I think that's really good advice because you said just, just being active and doing something is really the most important. Yeah. And, and if they do strength training exercises going back to back to back, you can still get a great cardiovascular workout. Um, and then, um, you know, to me, I'm, I'm happy when kids are, uh, kids are active. I don't care how they're getting there. Um, as long as they're, you know, finding different ways that make them, um, enjoy it and want to come back for more. So let's say my eight-year-old wants to strength train. You're saying it's okay as long as, you know, he's supervised, he's not overdoing it and it's, and it's relatively in a safe, you know, in a, in a supervised fashion. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that means really starting out with, um, with, kind of very light and minimal activity. So like, for example, 
you know, doing a push-up. That's a strength training exercise. But as an eight-year-old who's never done a push-up, they probably are not going to do it with great form right off the bat. And so right. maybe it's the start on their knees so that they develop the strength through the abs and lower back and arms. And then once they can do it with nice form on their knees, now you take them um, onto their feet and hands instead of knees and hands um, and build up from there. Um, you know, starting off with even sometimes, you know, maybe they're doing like a bicep curl, but maybe they're just doing it without any weight at all. Make sure that they got the right form and then you add the one pound weight and then kind of slowly build it up. Um, but really the focus on the form. That's great. And do you find that uh, most kids generally, you know, that prevention, that prevention makes a big difference? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the sense of maybe I see it on the other side is I see the kids who um, wandered into the weight room on their own and started to to do um, to, you know, lift their weights and, and, you know, get a finger stuck in the machine or drop it on a toe or what have you. Um, or that, um, you know, um, I guess when when there's big group training sessions. If, if the coach or, um, or you know, leader of that group isn't really watching the individual so well, it's, it's tough for these kids to, to get the form right the first time. And so sometimes we'll see injuries uh, because, you know, a pulled muscle here or there because they weren't doing um, the right form. But once we correct that, then we can, you know, go forward. And so I think it's really just about, um, you know, working on these things and really, you know, kind of small, small groups with attentive adults who is informed and can give the feedback on um, good form and technique. Fantastic. Fantastic. So this concludes part one of my conversation with Dr. Tracy Zaslow. If you enjoyed today's discussion, make sure and stay tuned to next week's episode where we discuss common sports injuries like sprained ankles and concussions. Also, if you're enjoying Ask Dr. Jessica, I would be so appreciative if you would rate this podcast and leave a review. I read all of them and they truly do make my day.